Welcome to The Link Church. We pray this week's message inspires you to have a meaningful relationship with Jesus. Glad to be in church. Hey, just before we start, I know there's a, there's a ton of people who are just very unwell. Um, I think we just need to pray for them as well quickly. Uh, there's a lot going around. Um, but we need to pray and we need to just we just need to ask God that he would step in. I was just I was talking to Mom Amelia. It was really a one-way conversation with her voice, but um, you know, I she sounds she sounds like a wonderful man at the moment. And so we just need to pray and just ask God to to step in and heal people as well. Amen. Because I know it, it affects people. When they're not at church, it affects them. If you're not at church for a while, you miss you miss a week, you miss it feels like you miss a lot. You miss two weeks, and it feels like you've missed like everything in life. Amen. So we just need to pray. Can we pray for them real quick? Let's pray. Father, we just lift up every person who is in this church that we know who is unwell. God, we just ask uh, that you would, by your power, by your spirit, that you would intervene right now, that you would step in and heal and restore their bodies. God, where their immune system is down, we ask that you would heal that area where you would restore, God, that people would be back up and running, that they would be feeling good, that they can continue to do all that you've called them to do, that they wouldn't have to continually miss church because they're unwell. We thank you, Lord, next week that you would be able to bring them back into the house, that they would come in here and be ready to go in Jesus' name. And if you're in agreement, you can say amen, amen, amen. Uh, I want to talk uh, real quick um, about a dude in the Bible called Naaman. I don't know if you know this guy. Uh, his story is recorded in 2 Kings. And uh, I want to read a fair bit of Scripture. I'm trying to get kind of through most of uh, the Old Testament here with you this evening. Um, but I want, to, I, want to get, I want to get into it. I want, to share, I want to read through it, and then I'm going to come back, and we're just going to break a, a couple of things down. Because there's some great things that you can learn from this piece of text, from this account in Scripture. There is a ton that you can walk away with. I won't get to everything, but uh, if, if, you've got, if you've got some time, you want to get into this piece of Scripture this week. Amen? So the king of Aram... Uh, had great admiration for Naaman. He's the commander of his army. And because uh, through him, the Lord had given Aram great victories. But uh, though Naaman was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. So, so his skin is rotting. Like you think you've got problems, but this dude's skin is rotting. It is painful. And ultimately, he is going to die a pretty painful death. Right. It, 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 not only are you just unclean in society, but you're just you're an outcast. You, you've, you can just imagine like every, you're changing clothing a lot. Your skin is falling off. It's like it's like dandruff, but bigger and like your whole elbow is coming loose. You know what I mean? Like so there's a lot going on. It's 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 gross. It would not be good at all. Right. Verse two uh, at this time. Armenian raiders invaded the land of Israel, and among their captives was a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. One day, the girl said to her mistress, I wish my master would go see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of leprosy. That's pretty cool. So Naaman, 
told the king that, uh, what the young girl from Israel had said. And the king responds and says, go visit the prophet. Of course he would say that. Um, the king told him, I will send a letter of introduction for you to take to the king of Israel. So Naaman started out carrying some small gifts with him, 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. The clothing uh, would not only be uh, you know, for the leprosy, but you must understand, 10 sets of clothing is not just in there as a, just a random thing, you know, like he's got 10 pairs of underpants with him because he's going for a while. No, he's got some money. He's worth some stuff. To have 10 sets of clothing is a big deal. Just to own this kind of stuff is a very big deal. It's pretty cool. Verse 7, when the king of Israel read the letter, uh, oh, wait, hang on, where were we? Oh, verse 6, the letter to the king said this, with this letter I present my servant Naaman. I want you to heal him of leprosy. So the king really burst into print here. He wanted it to be detailed. He wanted him to understand fully. He took his time. Naaman, this is a great idea. I'm going to quickly write you. There we go. His Naaman, heal him in Jesus' name. Done. There. Take that. So it's this quick little letter. And the, king read the, the king of Israel read the letter, tore his clothes. Naaman did not offer him any of his. In dismay and said... Am I God that I can give life and take it away? Why is this man asking me to heal someone with leprosy? Uh, I, I can see that he's just trying to pick a fight with me. Why would you ask me that? I'm not God. What is it that you, why would you send me this text? And then you're just trying to pick a fight. But Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes in dismay. He sent a message to him. Why are you so upset? Stop whining. What's going on with you? Send him to me. Uh, he'll learn that there's a true prophet in Israel. That's a little punch in the gut as well. Right? Stop whining about it. Send them to me. I'll sort out the problem. One, at least one of us can. Right? So Naaman went with his horses, his chariot, and he waited at the door of Elisha's house. But Elisha sent a message out to him, with this, a messenger out with, the, uh, with this message, go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Your skin will be restored and you'll be healed of your leprosy. And Naaman became very angry and stalked away. Um, yeah, like you know how you storm off? Well, he stalked off. So it's the same but different. Right, like you storm off in a half because you're mad. He stalked off. Now I don't know what the I don't know exactly how that works because when I think of the word stalked, I think of Facebook stalking. Right, like ooh, what's going on? What are they up to? But he didn't do that. He's like, I just feel like stalked is a bit more creepy. He's like, I'm mad. <laughs> like, I don't know what happened there, but it's a weird moment. But I like that moment. Uh, he thought I thought he would certainly come out and meet me. He said. I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call the name of the Lord his God and heal me. Aren't there rivers in Damascus and Abner and Farpar, wherever that? These are way better rivers in Israel. Why wouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned and went away in rage. He's, he's pretty upset. But the officers try to reason with him. Come on, Naaman. Come on, think it through. Man, so if this prophet had told you to do something difficult, uh, you would have done it. So should you certainly obey him uh, with what he says? Just wash and be cured, right? Seems reasonable. Naaman went down to the Jordan River, dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed him. His skin became as healthy as a young child 
and he was healed. So his, he went in with leprosy. He comes out looking very similar to me. This, this wonderful skin of a young man, uh, just flawless in every way, soft, stunningly beautiful, right? That's what he did. This is what the Word of God says here. This is amazing. Naaman and his entire party went back to find the man of God, stood before him, and Naaman said, uh, now I know there is no God in the world except in Israel. Please accept my gift. But Elisha responded and said, uh, no, I'm not taking your gift. And, and so it goes on just a little while. Um, I, you know, the, the way they explain Naaman is a big deal. He's a big deal. He might have leprosy, but he's a big deal. You know, in, in biblical times, war, war was different. If you went to war in those days, war was just different to what it is today. Now we have drones and we shoot rockets at each other. But really, for the most part, you can work from home, right? But back then, it was different. You couldn't scream medic. There was no medic. There's no uh, medivac helo that they're going to scramble because somebody lost a kneecap. There's no royal flying doctors, no ambos. Medication as we know it now is not the same as it was back then. Back then, war was very different. You hurt yourself. There was no green whistle for you to suck on while the ambos come so that you can be okay. War was insanely different. There was no opportunity to go to the guy and say, man, I'm just, I just thought I'd take like, because I'm just not feeling up to it. I thought I'd take, maybe take like a mental health day or like there's just some, there's some issues at home. And I, like I'm game for war, except my wife, is, she's obviously upset about it and the kids and, and, and it's actually my week to drop the kids at school. And, and it's 2023, your boss now would go, you're excused. But back then it was, why are you sharing this with me? Get your sword. Let's go. Let's go. Everyone fights. Most die uh, in battle. Many die after battle. There you would die from your wounds. You get stabbed. It's one thing. You get stabbed and a piece of clothing goes into that wound. You're a goner. And so if you come home after a war, you are a hero. You do it twice. You're like a hall of famer. You're like a boss if you come home from war twice. You do more than that, and you're like renowned. You are that guy. You don't pay when you go to the pub. Like you are, you are absolutely honored and respected, uh, highly esteemed, or you, you would the people would admire you. They would look at you walking down the street and say, this is a war hero. This is a guy who knows how to fight, who knows how to lead. It's not just one time. He didn't get lucky on the battlefield. I mean, this guy's luck just keeps happening. Naaman is this kind of guy. He has won many battles. He is, he is, he is um, explained as a valiant soldier. This guy is not your average guy. He has won many, many, many wars, and he is highly, highly decorated, and he is highly respected. We are not dealing with a random guy here. We are dealing with the best of the best. We're talking about a guy who can walk in and say to the king, hey, I was just chatting to my wife and um, apparently some things could happen. The king goes, hang on, I'm going to stop what I'm doing. I'm going to write you a long letter right now. I'll write you something really detailed, just kind of really introducing you. Uh, 
Like, you think about it. How do you get so close to a king that you can even have this? That the king would say just, how do you have that much money unless you are somebody really, really, really well known? You are, this guy is wealthy as he is well known. He is close to the king and he is a soldier, the kind of guy who walks down the road and everyone knows his name. He has a whole he has a whole entourage. When he goes somewhere, like if he goes to the toilet, there is a queue outside of people protecting him just in case that curry does some damage. Like they're ready to fight for him. This guy is the real deal. Amen. And so you can imagine he's got this letter from the king and everything's going his way and he's now heading toward uh, this king. The king obviously says, I can't help you, Naaman. I don't even know who you are. Like, what are you trying to do? You trying to pick a fight or what? And Elisha says, just send this guy to me. Send, the guy, send Naaman to me, I'll sort this problem out. And so Naaman and them, they rock up at Elisha's house. You can imagine the amount of people that are with him. They stationed outside the front gate and Naaman is inside. He's playing Scrabble and, and he's just kind of working. And, they're like, and his servant comes to him and he goes, there's like, uh, like 2,000 million people just waiting out the front door. They're either going to kill you or they want to talk to you. And Elisha's like, no, no, no. I said to them, come. I told them to come. I know it. Is that dude by Naaman? Yeah. Does it look white? Yep. You're flaking everywhere. Yep. Got lots of, yep. Go and tell him that he just needs to go wash in the Jordan. Now, what's a seven letter word? Let's just go. And he carries on. Well, Naaman loses his mind. Naaman flips out. I mean, do you know who I am? Do you understand who I am? I have a letter from the king. There is enough, have, here, have a read of some of these medals. Have a look. Have a read for yourself. Have a, look. have a look at how many people, have a look at how that donkey is struggling to carry 750 pounds of silver. I am rich and I am wealthy and you can show some, some respect actually. You can get up and you can come out and you can at least come and greet me. Show some basic common courtesy. And when you come out here as a man of God, you wave your hand in the name of Jesus and I should be healed. But no, you don't. You send, me, you send your servant out to come and be disrespectful and tell me to go wash myself in some filthy river. There is actually some decent rivers, but now nah, you didn't pick any of that because you're too worried about your three-letter word and your scrabble board. You're supposed to come out and speak to me. I'm Naaman. He's mad. He's proper upset. This guy's upset. And Elisha, I like Elisha because Elisha's not really worried about his tantrum because that's what it is. And Naaman's like, I'm out of this place. I'm leaving. You go back and you tell your boy Elisha exactly where to stick it. I'm out of this place. Me, my donkey, my gold, my silver, I'm done. And the guys that are with him are like, hold up, bro. Like you've got this tantrum. You're throwing a tantrum. But for a guy who's got no other options, like what is the option? I'm going back. I'm going to tell the king. Go tell the king. You're still going to die. You're still going to die. You've still got leprosy. So go if you want to go. But why not just give it a go? Like, why not just do this? And so there's a few things that we can learn from these guys and from the situation. Number one is this. Um, your rage 
If you've got, if you're gonna, if you're gonna get mad every time God tells you to do something, or a man of God tells you to do something, your rage will cause you to keep your problem. Your rage it needs to be dealt with. Some people are so mad and so upset and so annoyed, and about what? What are you? What are you so mad about? If you keep if you keep behaving like an entitled brat. You're going to keep your problem. You can stay rich. You can keep your donkey, your gold, your silver. But you're entitled. You, you've got this expectation that you place on things and, and on people. That alone is making... If you look at Naaman, you're like, who are you anyway in the great scheme of things? How about you show some respect? You're dealing with the man of God, but he doesn't. He thinks that he's all that. And he's just behaving like an entitled brat because he can't wash in the river that suits him. And he didn't come out and greet me the way that it suits me. And he didn't pray for me the way he was supposed to pray. And when you behave like it, you're behaving like a child. And, and it's childish. And that childish behavior is not going to get you anywhere. I remember my mother looking at Warren. He was misbehaving in a shopping center. And she, she looked at him and she said, when you're finished whining... You can know this, you're still not getting that sweet. So keep whining. Because behaving like a brat and screaming, that's not going to fix a thing in your life. You need to stop dictating to God how things need to be done. You need to stop treating God in a way that He needs to do what you say because you are so important. You need Him. Not the other way around. He doesn't go, oh my gosh, if that person walks away in rage, I'm just like, oh, I'm so much less. No, we need to, we need to humble ourselves and realize that we need Him. We need God. We can't treat leaders and pastors like they work for us 24-7. I pastor this church, but I'm not at everyone's beck and call. No chance. No way. No way. In the same way that you're not that for me, I'm not that way for anyone. Never in my life am I going to be that person. I've watched person after person, pastor after pastor, fall away from the things of God because at two o'clock in the morning, somebody's having a row with their friend and they now need to have a, uh, a four-hour prayer session. No, nope, nope, not me. Nope, no, no, no. You can learn conflict resolution. Um, and, and that's how that works. Amen. I will pray, but I am not. I have a life too. Somebody decides, Andrew, you better do this now. Well, you better find somebody else to snap your finger at because that is not me. It's never going to be me, right? And Elisha is the same way. And so he should be. So he should be. He might have something that seems unconventional, but just because somebody doesn't like it doesn't mean Elisha should change. Why should Elisha change what God has told him to do because somebody else doesn't like the way he was told to do it. Why must the man of God change what he is called to do because it doesn't suit everyone else? Why should he stop what he's doing when he's already given you an answer? But because it doesn't suit, we kick up a fuss. Amen? So like Elisha, he didn't need to explain himself. No one needs to explain themselves. And often, I want to I just share my heart. I don't need to explain myself either to people. I just don't. If I say, this is what I believe God wants us to do, if we're in this thing together, we're in this thing together. 
I don't have to give 4,000 points and make sure that you're understanding and you're in agreement. Could you imagine? Like, it's hard enough to get me in agreement with God. Could you imagine trying to get everyone in agreement with me? It'll just never happen. It just never happened. Like, think about it. What are we going to watch on Netflix? That is a four-hour ordeal between any two people. We are just never going to agree on everything. Amen? But you can't get bent out of shape, especially when it's not how you expected things to go down. So often, uh, I've often said, I think a few of you have heard this, but I've often said this, that there's method to my madness, right? M doesn't like that too much, right? But sometimes I'll tell you to do something, do that thing. Your tantrum, your rage, your, you can kick the cat off the porch, you can be as mad as you like. Sometimes, sometimes you have to just say yes, even when it doesn't seem like it makes sense. I, I feel like there is a million ways God can do it better. I believe that. And I tell him. I tell him. When I feel the Lord say, Andrew, I want you to do this, I always remind him of a better way. <laughs> always. Very seldom. But do I, I'm not just not that guy. I'm never the guy who goes, yes, Lord, I hear you. If he says to me like, Andrew, I want you to buy land. My response is, Lord, I think if you were to put that money in my account right now and then immediately ask me to do that, I think we would have a really great conversation. It would start with, okay, where? But it never works like that, does it? It's, Andrew, I want you to do this. With what money? When? How? Why me? What did I do wrong? What's going on here? Right? Like you want me to, you want, why? For what reason? And then when I fast forward in life and I see him do it, then I'm all like, I just believed him from the beginning and God just said this and I said, yeah, right? That's how, that's how things work. But, but sometimes you have to do things that don't necessarily make sense, but you have to do them. For instance, engagement groups, they exist for you. It's a place where you find family and connection, where you can spend time together, where you can learn and where you can grow. And I want to encourage you, get involved in, in an e-group, get involved in an engagement group. It is for your own benefit. Now, somebody says, well, I don't want to do it. I'm not available. I don't agree. I don't like it. No worries. No worries. That's on you. I tell people all the time, get on a team, get on the A team, serve in the church, whether it's, on the, whether it's with the kids or the sound or the worship team, get on a team. It will change your life. It will change your life. How's it going to change my life? When is it going to change my life? Do you know how bad my life is? No, I don't know. What I'm saying is find a place where you can get involved with people and I'm telling you, your life will change. Your life will change. Somebody says, well, I don't want to do it. Fine. No worries. No, there's no gun to anyone's head. Prayer meetings. Attend them. I don't know how to pray. At that, just attend the prayer meeting. You're going to learn to pray for you and for others. And when times are tough, you won't be annoyed that you can't get hold of Andrew at 4.43 in the morning to pray for you because now suddenly you've got a job interview. You won't need to because you'll know how to pray. I don't want to pray out loud. No one, no one is forcing you to pray out loud. I don't like prayer meetings. You don't have to like prayer meetings. What I'm saying is if you want God's answer to your life, go to a prayer meeting. 
you'll be amazed what happens. I've never met somebody who left a prayer meeting going, I hate that. I was in the presence of God. It was shocking, terrible, worst thing in my life. Weekly services. Well, I've also got things to do. I can't always be here. I, I, I've got family issues. Or No, God said that we are to not forsake the gathering as some of you are in the habit of doing. And he addresses it. Now, you can throw your toys out the cot and get all mad and get bent out of shape. But there is a reason we come together. And when people stop coming together and they stop serving God together and they stop serving one another, they very quickly begin to drift from God. Or I hear things like, I'm just not growing. I know why. I know why. Because it's always on your terms and you never obey what God called you to do. And it is a tough pill to swallow, but it is a very harsh reality. You will not ever make it as if you are an island to yourself. I heard somebody recently say, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. No, you're right. You don't have to go to church to be a Christian. But if you're a Christian, you do have to go to church. You can debate that. Go find it in the Bible. Bring, you can argue with me. I'm open to watching, to reading Scripture, which is not opinion. Amen? It's good. Moments like this, you just feel like, good, he's preaching to the converted, because at least I'm in the room. Everyone online's like, I hate him. And everyone who's going to watch later is like, I wish I, I wish I could just hate him in person right now. Like, um, there's some things that God does which are, are so important, and we need to take advantage of these things. Because when you do it, when you listen to God, that thing's, thinks it's Monday. Should we turn it off? Is it loud? It's okay. Em, you can turn it off. That's how I sound Monday mornings. <laughs> As you have to get up. Do you feel the same sometimes? No? No, actually, turn it back on. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. You can turn it off. How much quieter is that? That makes me think of like an extractor fan. You've ever left an extractor fan on? Hey, you're cooking. It's a good thing while it's getting rid of the steam. And then you finally push that thing back and it goes quiet. And you think, man, I'd rather have choked to death than to have had that sound in my ear over the last 15 hours. So there's method to, to the way God does things. And I know sometimes it's a challenge. And I know sometimes he presses buttons in your life. And I know sometimes he does that through me as well. And, and I love you all the way through these moments. And I love nothing more than watching God do something great in your life. But sometimes you have to zip it, go and bath yourself seven times, get healed, and then come back and say thank you later instead of whine all the way through. I know that sometimes being a Christian can be a challenge. We give up a lot. We say no to a lot. We say yes to a lot. Like we, we're saying yes to things like that, that, that feel like they cost us in the world. At times, I know that that's true. But man, it is so worth it when you do it God's way. It is so worth it. Amen? So no buts, no tantrums, no rage. That's not how it works. Amen? So Naaman goes down to the river. And I think, I, I think to myself, when, when he's standing on there, He's got everyone with him. Like, they know he's about to get healed. They've convinced him to go. So I don't feel like everyone was like, I'm just going to turn my back on this moment and 
whatever happens, happens. I feel like everyone's watching. No, nah, bro, seriously, drop your kit and off you go. Like, I just want to see, go on in. Take it all off. Because uh, I don't think he said anything about keeping any of it on. But jump on in. Seven times, mate. Um, you know, when, you, when he strips himself off, all that wealth comes off. Who he is. The medals, the achievement. And you are so exposed. Your skin is flaking off. You're getting in that water. You can hear people on the banks of the water going, oh, that looks bad. That does not look good. I'm, I'm, is that his elbow floating down the I'm not, if he, I'm not going in. If he drowns, I'm not going after him. Not now. I'm never touching that river again. This is disgusting. Go on, Naaman. You got this, buddy. You got this. Go on in. Can you imagine what it would have done to them as he comes out that water? Number seven, he comes out the water and bam, just this hair flicking. The youthfulness, the radiance. It's like what happens to me, right? You could just imagine that wow moment, right? Like, oh my gosh. Naaman's like healed. Imagine what that does to you. That's, that's the power of God when you will eventually humble yourself and do it His way. That's where healing is found. That's where deliverance is found. That's where those wow moments are found. When you and I stop thinking that we can strong arm God and control it and do it, his, do it our way, and we just submit ourselves and go, say, God, we don't understand, but we're just going to say we're going to do it your way. And when you say do it, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to, I'm going to get over myself. I'm going to throw away the rage and the tantrum and the, I'm going to stop kicking things around, getting mad and venting every time something doesn't go my way. I'm telling you, when you lay it down and you just say, God, I'm just going to, I'm just going to do it your way. That is where healing is found. Amen. And so, uh, I mean, to his amazement, he's restored. And from rage, I love this, his, from, he goes from rage to this response. He says, now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. That is cool. Like that is the moment. And for anyone who's ever had God do something great in their life, there is that moment where you're like, oh my gosh, God is real. It's like I knew until I knew. Like I believed until he did that. And then when he did that, it was like, Yes, come on, God is real. Have you had that moment where you want to tell somebody, you're telling them you can see that they don't care, but you still got to tell them anyway. You won't believe it, man. I just, I had no money and he came through. He answered the prayer and somebody, you're talking to like a millionaire. And that millionaire is like, bro, I, I just, it's, yeah, 100%. But you're just like, but God is real. You got to know. And you start telling people, when, when God reveals himself to somebody like that, something changes. Something changes, and he decides to serve God and only God. It says he returns to Syria rejoicing in his newfound faith and his restored physical healing. Man, he goes home healed physically because that's the power of God, and he goes back restored spiritually because that was always the plan of God. And there are a lot of people who are seeking after signs and wonders. That sign and that wonder is for the unbeliever. We don't have to come in here and get all worked up because people go, why don't you see healings in the church? Why don't you see healings on the street? Go and pray for someone. No, I don't pray for people. I don't know how to pray. Yeah. 
Exactly. That's why you won't see it. It's for the unbeliever. That unbeliever knows, oh my gosh, this must be God, and they surrender their life to him. That is actually the purpose of what God did there. Amen? So how many of you still believe that God can heal people today and he can save and he can set people free? He can restore them. And God can even humble some of the great, some of the people in this city who think that they are all that and they don't need him. He is going to humble them and you're going to watch those people serve the Lord. Do you believe? Because if you believe, faith without works is dead. If you believe, you need to do something about it. So check this out real quick as we close. The catalyst for this miracle, the starting point of this, is not Elisha. It's not a king. The starting point is a slave girl. That's the starting point of this. A slave girl. A girl who was captured and is now serving in this house. A person who feels stuck in life, like you. Serving in her workplace for little or no money, like you. Going through the motions, just like us. Feeling robbed of life. How many times we felt that way? Hurting. Personal struggles. Missing family. Dreams shattered. Future gone. Everything she studied for, everything she hoped for, everything, her future is over. She is a servant in the house. And those girls would not have had the greatest jobs in the world. You have no idea how her life is. Her life is like many people we know. She's earning rubbish money, but she didn't stop believing that God could help in the situation. And that is the difference between a self-absorbed, selfish, rage-filled, irritable Christian who's like, it's always, why is my life bad? If you only knew, why did it happen to me? It should never be this way. When you are like that, you have missed the fact that God is still on the throne. And you've become so self-absorbed that you can no longer see anyone around you. And this girl in the pit of despair, I'm telling you, her life is not what you think it is. She looks up and she goes, oh, do you know it would be great? Do you know it would be great, man? If he could see this guy, man, he could get healed. What about my healing, though? I need healing. I need freedom. I need to, not like, hey, and, and if he does heal you, just because you just remember who told you. And if he doesn't take any of that gold and that silver, like, hook a brother up. I look at this, and, and somebody said something early in the week. I've thought about this. Thanks, Em. We, we're to go into all the world and preach the gospel, right? We know that. But for most of us, this is a fair comment, I think. For most people, you hear that word preach and you're like, ah, I'm out. I'm not a preacher. I don't know this. I'm not standing on a street corner and preaching the gospel. No, train. You can keep your train. And I'm not going to do this. And anyway, this whole preaching thing becomes like hectic. You can imagine somebody at work going like, oh, you know, what's wrong with you? Ah, just my shoulder playing up, eh? Month. In the name of Jesus, I declare. You couldn't do that at work. You'd be like, no way. How many people would be like, your shoulders hurt? I'm called to preach. In the name of Jesus. 
Like you would never do that. So what happens is we just like bail out of this preaching thing. But somebody said something great this week. They said, what if you were to view it like recommending? What if you started seeing that you have the power like this girl had to recommend? Your shoulders sore. Man, I've just, there are so many people who come to church with us on a Sunday, sore shoulder or whatever it is. And, and man, I reckon God can heal you. You should come check it out. I'll explode when I walk in that place. Probably, but come anyway. We've got fire extinguishers, right? Hey, you should come check it out. Uh, maybe we'll grab a coffee or something. Come check it out. It'll be great, man. We can pray for you. Who knows? Maybe God heals your knee or your shoulder, whatever it is. But what are we saying? We're preaching. We're, we're, we're declaring boldly that we believe that God can heal. Why are you so down? My husband and I are fighting a lot. Just a lot going on at home. We just can't get through this patch. Man, I've seen that many marriages healed and restored. You should come to church with us. You've got nothing to lose. Come check it out. You never know. Maybe God steps in and, and he's able to help and restore that thing. Or somebody's kids on drugs. We hear this all the time. Now, you should get them in. Get them surrounded by, get them surrounded. Like Kurt. Kurt's on drugs. And so I see Shane. He's praying for him right now in the name of Jesus. Uh, but you, like, invite, like, invite them. Come invite them into a space where they can get healed. Tell them that God can heal. Tell them, man, I have seen God heal. Man, God, I want to introduce you to my pastor. That dude was so stuck. He sounds just like your son. He was stuck. He was bound. And God stepped in and helped him. Man, you should come check it out. Or, or maybe we catch a coffee sometime. Maybe he can talk to you outside of a church environment. We need to start recommending that God is the answer instead of shying away from it completely because we don't know what to say we know every one of us knows exactly what to say we know exactly how what if they ask me questions tell them I don't know tell them what do you mean he can heal that's yeah he um, heals people how I don't know when I don't know what's the how does it work I don't know well what do you know I know that he can heal doesn't sound like you've got any answers yeah that, that's what I got but you need more than me you need the healing and you've got no answers. I'm at least saying he can heal and I've also got no answers. So we're kind of, I'm still one better than you. I still got one thing that I know that you don't know and that, that is that God can heal. If we don't step in, we are never, ever, ever going to see people healed. We are never going to see people saved. You are going to have to find your voice. You're going to have to find that boldness and you're going to have to find your voice and you're going to have to open your mouth and you're going to have to start to recommend that people come and experience God. Amen? So I want you to bow your heads for a moment. I want you to think about, you know somebody. They're struggling. They're not where they should be. You look at their life and you think, man, if only. If you'd come to church with me, oh, I just know. I just know that it would be different. And maybe you've even tried to invite them at times. You're like, I've tried. I've invited them like 17 times. And every time, maybe it's 18 that has to happen. Maybe like Naaman, you can lose heart at number six. How many times do I have to go down and come up, go down and come up, go down and come up before suddenly healing takes place? But maybe, just maybe, there's a reason that God says, keep pushing. Do you know how much faith is dealt with? How much fear is dealt with? 
disappointment as he goes under and comes back up? What if God doesn't and then comes back up? What if I'm always like this and then comes back up? What if I never change and it's just always this pain and the, the skin and the, my wife and I struggle and my kids aren't going great and I'm struggling with this thing and you go down and you come back up. I would have loved it if I could have just gone down four times and then be healed. But every time I get closer, I feel like I'm that much further away. And so you go down again and you come back up. And many of you have gone down and then you fight your way back and then you go down and you fight your way back. You go down and you fight your way back and along the way you've lost hope and you've lost heart. And maybe God wants to use you in the state that you are to help somebody find freedom. The freedom you really already have. It's just not in the way you want it. I'm asking you to, to this evening to say, God, help me to find my voice. Help me to, help me to open my mouth. Help me to speak to somebody. Help me to encourage them. Help me to invite them. Help me. You have to pray that God would help you. You have to humble yourself now and, and realize that I'm not doing what I should be doing. I'm not reaching out the way I should be reaching out. I'm not, I'm not making a difference in the way that I could be making a difference. I need to be all in. I need to make a decision and I need to be all in. We are living in a day and a time that does not make room for half-hearted Christians. We've got to make a decision. We are in or we are out. And if we're in, we're going to have to become radical and we're going to have to fight our way back and we're going to have to push through the opposition and we're going to have to do it no matter how stuck we feel. We have to do it for the safety and for the salvation of everyone else in this city. And I'm asking you, whether you're online or whether you're in this room, I'm asking you to make a decision that I am all in for Jesus and I'm going to run for Him and I'm going to serve Him and I'm going to get involved and I'm going to make a difference and I'm going to get over my tantrum and over my rage and over everything and I'm going to do what He's called me to do and I'm going to stand back at the end of my life and I'm going to look and say man it was worth it it was worth it but if you go the way you keep going I'm telling you now some of you will look back at your life and you will only ever have regret regret don't live with that. Don't live in a way where you regret. Make a decision. I'm going forward and it's not too late to start. Right here, right now, that's it. I'm tired of this junk. I'm going to do what God's called me to do. I bet you now, a year from now, if you would stick it out, if you would turn up each week, if you would, if you would engage with people, if you would allow people to pray, if you would learn to pray, if you would read your Bible, I'm telling you a year from now, you come and you tell me, Pastor Anz, I'm telling you my life is no better. I will listen to you, but I've never, ever, ever, ever had anyone say it. Not for those who stick it out, never. So Father, I pray for every person in the room right now, all those that are online right now, that you would help them find their voice. No more games, no more half-hearted, no more sometimes. When I get a gap, 
if it suits me, if it's the way I wanted it to be. No, right here, right now, make a decision for yourself. I'm going to serve God and I'm going to serve the purpose of God in this generation and I'm going to leave my mark on this planet. The world has left its mark on you. It's time for you guys to leave your mark on this world. And I'm asking you to say, God, I'm in. Thanks for being with us. We hope this message leaves you stirred to a place of action. If you made a decision to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, need more resources or want to take your next step, linkthechurch.org has everything you need. Until next time, from everyone at The Link Church, God bless.